um, which I'm I think it's I think it's certainly valid to, to have Anthony on today. So as I mentioned, our interviewee today is the founder of Indie Worldwide, Anthony Castro, and Anthony's here Hello. today. To uh, not just Indie Worldwide, but also a bit about his journey uh, up until this point. So thank you very much for your time today, Anthony. Yeah, thanks for inviting me to do this. Uh, it should be fun. And also a big thanks to everyone for joining today. Um, please post your questions um, either in the session chat or the event chat. And we've got a session towards the end of the interview uh, where we'll be able to address them. So, um, yeah, first question, Anthony. Um, I mean, when did... When did uh, when did you first start indie hacking? Like any mm. any kind of idea of what indie hacking is to you? When did you first kind of venture into that space? Yeah. Um, so I first like heard of indie hackers probably off of like a Hacker News post or an interview. I remember when it was only um, like it was only interviews. It was only companies and nothing else. There's no forum or anything. So that must have been like two years ago. And I think I was still in college at the time or maybe possibly at my first job working for Loom in San Francisco. And, um, but I pretty quickly moved on from that to freelancing and from freelancing, it was like, oh, I wanted to move on to indie hacking. Cause my goal has always been to run my own company, do startups and things. Um, so whenever I had a job, I kind of felt like I was wasting time in order to get those things done. And so as soon as I could start freelancing and building my own things, that's what I started doing. Um, and I feel like I've gotten slightly better at it over time. It started off everything I tried always failed right away. And now a couple things haven't, which is cool. <laughs> nice. And then when it comes to like building things, um, I mean, you've been involved in various different prize winning projects and a few hackathons and plus, uh, you're also the executive director at BitCamp. Can you tell us a bit more about these? Yeah. So. I was for one year the executive director at BitCamp. BitCamp um, is a hackathon. A hackathon is like a group. It's like a big event slash competition. Um, it's really popular for universities to host these huge events where you get like a thousand students together and they all compete in order to build a project over a weekend for prizes or recognition or just for the fun of it. Um, it doesn't have to be huge. It could be like 20 people. Companies will run them too. But the ones I was involved in were these like huge um, university-based hackathons. So the big one that I ran was called BitCamp. Um, I took it over in its third year. Um, and my goal with BitCamp was to turn it into like an actual organization versus like a, like a, a hack itself. And so uh, my event was a lot about like, okay, let's have a budget and like come out in the green this year and Try to get our nonprofit status sorted out and all of that, and it went well. There, the I felt like I left the organization in a really good place. Um, and yeah, hackath so hackathons in general. Before I got involved in running them, I was competing in them, and it was kind of the way I learned how to program. Uh, as much as from going to class, it was going to these competitions and just trying to build something hacky in a weekend with friends. It was a lot of fun. Nice. The I believe you also founded uh, Formico, which is a, a software development agency. And this was back in, in mid-2018. Um, can you tell mm -hmm. us a bit more about that? Yeah, so yeah. when I started freelancing, um, the advice I got was, like, don't if, – if you're selling your, your own time, for one, like, it's a little bit harder to take you seriously, especially at first. So my idea was, like, okay, let me set up a company so that I can 
sell my own time, but as a company and get better rates and have like um, higher level conversations with clients. Cause um, it's just really like a psychological trick to have some branding around your, your, your work as a freelancer in order to get people to take you um, seriously and treat it really as a business relationship and not as like an employee relationship and it helps set boundaries. Um, so the reason I set up Formico is because I had um, like a really hot lead come in and I needed a team for it. And so before mm -hmm. I even set up a landing page or anything, they, so a uh, like um, an acquaintance reached out, they were trying to hire me onto their new team. And I said, hey, actually I'm running this freelancing company, didn't exist yet. <laughs> this freelancing company, why don't you hire my team? <laughs> and we'll, we can do all kinds of things for you. And they're like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. Can you tell me more about your team? I was like, yeah, I'll send you some information over. Hang up, call my friends. Hey, are you interested in forming a, a freelance team? <laughs> do you wanna be on a big project with me? <laughs> so I got a couple friends to agree to that. And then I sent over just by email, their like portfolios. I was like, hey, this is the information I have about your team that I'm gonna build for you or that you can like, we are a team, you can hire us. And had a couple calls, just like binge watched how to do sales videos on YouTube for, for like two days. And then got on the call with the CTO of this company, which was had already raised like a hundred million dollars. It's like a big company. And I was like, we got this for you. It's gonna cost like $80,000. And it's like, oh, that's too much. How about 55,000? And I was like, perfect. <laughs> that's way more than I thought I could charge for a month of work. <laughs> And that was like the first project Formico had. And then um, after that, I took like a few months off <laughs> and, and just, that's when I started traveling too. That's when I became like a digital nomad and I managed that project from like Thailand and slash Prague and uh, probably should have stayed in one spot. Probably could have managed the project a little better. And <laughs> but that, after that project, I knew I could do it. And I knew as long as um, we needed more work, I could find it. Um, and then from there, I was like, okay, what kind of work-life balance do I want? And how much do I want to put into building this freelance company versus like trying to build like a SaaS company? And that's kind of been the balance that I've been trying to maintain since. Awesome. So that's a fantastic story. Um, I wanted to also touch on uh, one project you've been working on. Uh, it's called Healthcare is Dumb. Some of the attendees might have, uh, might have heard mm. of it. Um, it's beginning a fair bit of attention recently. Can I ask how long you've been working on that for and give us a bit of background on that? Yeah, um, so the idea started in the summer, like a few months ago. Uh, so I'm a 25-year-old United States citizen, which means that in a year I have to buy my own health insurance. And if you don't live in the US, it, the health system in the US is extremely complicated and very dumb. And uh, it doesn't work for most people, or many people at least. Uh, so I read on a Hacker News post that somebody's like spouse had gone back to school in order to get health insurance. And I knew you could get health insurance through, through school, through university, but I didn't know that the that could be cheaper than just buying health insurance. So I was that made me very curious. And I felt like the, the natural like next step from that was to... Um, kind of do a survey of all the schools in the U.S., all the public schools. So I, I started gathering data on every public school just by reading their... You can't scrape this data because every school has a diff, has it in a different format, in a different place, a different policy from a different company. It's not scrapable at all. So instead, I hired my little brother and like a team of freelancers 
off of Upwork and we just scraped, we just read all the policies for all the public schools in the US and compiled it into a database, uh, an Airtable. And then actually building the website took a day because I just embedded the Airtable into a card and posted on, on Hacker News. And well, before I posted on Hacker News, I followed um, uh, Luis Vieira's device who we had on for a Q&A a couple weeks ago. So right after that Q&A, I took really good notes from the Q&A and I just followed everything that he said and did like Facebook marketing. And that got us like, I was getting like um, 50 to 100 to maybe a couple hundred views per day from Facebook. And first time I tried posting it on ShowHN, uh, it didn't do well at all. The title was like ShowHN, um, find cheaper health insurance or something like that. And then a week later I tried it again show HN healthcare is dumb. And that blew up immediately. Like as soon as I posted it, it got 25 upvotes and like there was a pit in my stomach because I knew it was about to like pop to the front page. Um, so I was like, Oh, <laughs> I felt lightheaded, but it did. So I did really good. I, I was staying at my parents' house at the time. So I was like, I ran out to tell my dad was like painting the house. I was like, dad, guess what? <laughs> I had a good day. Uh, and after I like, the end of two days, it had gotten like 25,000 views in like the span of two days. Um, never went down. Thanks card for building a good platform. Um, collected like 600 emails. So the first version of the project I was very happy with. Now I'm trying to build like a monetized version, but I've, I'm getting distracted by other ideas. Excellent. I'm sure there's, uh, there's been maybe questions on uh, the healthcare is done or some of the projects. I also really want to focus on, on Indie Worldwide as a whole. So. Um, can I ask, like, where did where did this start? How did this start? You know, how long ago? Where were you? Yeah, so I I remember exactly where I was. I was in Washington D.C. at like a Starbucks, I think, facing the facing the street, working on my laptop. I was talking to the I had been talking to the like indie hackers people for a while. Um, their like community manager at the time and I had like an ongoing uh, conversation because I'd been starting different indie hackers events every so i was digital nomading at this point and every time i got to a new city i would start a new indie worldwide meetup or not an indie world an indie hackers meetup and that's actually how i met john is i started a an indie hackers meetup in medellin in colombia and so i met him there he was just kind of chilling in the uh the the co-working space that had agreed to give us um space for indie hackers and so i was like oh hey what's up john or I didn't know his name at the time, I don't think. So uh, we, that's how we met, was in Columbia. And then, so, all right, so back to Washington, D.C., um, chit-chatting. I had, like, three big ideas for what uh, indie hackers needed to do, which was remote meetups. It was hire me, hire me to go start them meetups. <laughs> I was like, you should hire me, and I'll fly around. I'm flying around anyway, so just pay me, and I'll, I'll, I'll do this full time. And start you a bunch of meetups because they were they were trying to increase that metric. They were like, eh, maybe. <laughs> but we like the remote meetup idea. Maybe you should try that one first because that's free for us. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, yeah. The reason I wanted a remote meetup was because um, every time I moved to a new place, I like lost the community that I built because they were, they were in the city that I left. And so I wanted something I could take with me and I wanted to have the same community um, and uh, a remote meetup solved that problem. And it also, like, I grew up in a really rural area, right? There's no there's no meetups where I grew up in upstate New York. 
And I feel like there's a lot of people like that too that are building cool things, but they're not next to a big metropolitan area. They wanted to be able to make their own community without needing to travel like two hours to a city. Um, and so I felt like a remote meetup solved those two problems. And that's, that's how Indie Worldwide started, just as a Zoom call with however many people were interested from the like Indie Hackers website. Awesome. And um, and I guess starting out, like you've got the idea, you want to try and figure out how you can grow this. Um, how did you actually get your first 100 signups for the events? Yeah. Um, so we've never had like a big blow up or anything with Indie Worldwide. It's always just been like slow, steady growth. Uh, all of the first signups came from posting on uh, the Indie Hackers website. And then, so that was definitely the first 100 was just um, making posts about it and uh, talking about it in like a couple different Slack groups. Nice. And uh, I mean, do you think any hackers is something that you plan on seriously monetizing in the future? Um, when I first started it, my idea was, okay, if nothing else in the worldwide might become like an inbound funnel for Formico for my like freelancing, because I'll be talking to all these founders Founders, they never know when they're going to blow up into a bigger company and need help, and we could help with that. And then later it became, well, the company, the product's getting, or the, uh, sorry, the uh, community's getting big, some bigger. So maybe there, there's a way to monetize it directly with like a paid mastermind or something like that. But no, I didn't, I never, didn't really find um, a business model I liked that really felt like a perfect fit for, for this community. So now I'm back at my original plan, which is just like expand my network. Um, get all kinds of new opportunities through meeting new people. And um, now too, it's like, oh, maybe I can test out different like community focused products, like see if it works with our community in some way, and then maybe productize that later for other communities. So at this point, I, I really don't have any plans for directly monetizing Indie Worldwide, but the nature of a community and like sort of being the face of that community are like brings a lot of opportunities in, in and of itself. It's kind of like a leverage effect for anything else I want to work on. And so that's that's how I think about it currently. Awesome. And um, I, I'm sure I'm not the only person to have uh, received very similar things to I think what you're receiving. Like just people left, right, center, having great conversations. Um, you know, hearing about what other people are struggling with, especially if you know if if attendees are trying to, to figure their own way out and figure how they can they can grow something that they're interested in building. So yeah, I certainly personally have received you know a lot of value from it. So if you're receiving similar value, then it's uh, you know. It's definitely a great thing. Um, yeah, it's definitely inspiring just to meet some of the people at any worldwide. There's people who have who have just like really solid companies that they've that they've built, and it's it's been really cool to get more opportunities to meet that kind of people and see how they did it. And also, like I've kind of started treating it a little bit like a podcast at times, right? Like our Q and A series is sort of like a podcast, which gives me a great excuse to like talk to whoever I want within like a certain band of. Of possibility because I can just invite them as a Q&A and usually they say yes. Brilliant. And even though it's not necessarily something that you plan on heavily monetizing in the future, it's certainly something that I mean, you know, not just you get value from, but the attendees get value from. Um, do you have like, if you were to have some kind of like a 30 second elevator pitch, once again, it's not like I'm my company for someone to invest in, but it's just a roundabout way of describing exactly what Indie Worldwide is. How would you go about, uh, what would be your pitch? Yeah, so um, Indie Worldwide is a place for 
founders and indie hackers to meet other founders and indie hackers. Um, if you're looking for a community, check it out. <laughs> I think one thing about the community itself is uh, is is there's a fair bit of engagement and discussion within the Slack community and within the Facebook group. Um, uh, knowing what you know now, I guess with you know with the sorts of conversations that are happening, um, do you have any advice for anyone else who thinks that you know growing a community on these platforms might be valuable to them? And you know, any learnings that you uh, gained along the way? Yeah, um, I'd say community is definitely like a, a long-term investment. It takes a while to grow a community. A community, like the logistics of community, it, there's only like three pieces, really. There's the place. For example, like here we are in Hopin. This could be the place. It's the the idea. So what is it that the community is gathering to talk about? And then it's like the people themselves and how you reach them. Those are like the three things you have to handle. This is true for like a physical event as well. Like, oh, we're going to be a meetup. We're meet in the brewery. We're going to talk about our poodles and then it's like okay where do poodle maybe i can find poodle owners at the dog pound or something like that and then the so i think it can be very very valued valuable to to build such a thing um it can help you find your people your initial customers and your like your your like champions long term um but like i said it's a it's a long-term investment and it needs to be something that kind of like you can naturally feel yourself doing for uh, months to years on end. Like Indie Worldwide is almost two years old and I I don't really plan to stop and I've been able to find like a cadence of like running these events and things that like work for me and don't burn me out and so that I can keep it rolling. Like a lot of communities also just consistency. There's something kind of magical that happens after like a year of seeing the same face where that's when you really feel like you know and trust a person because they haven't run out on you. Like you you kind of know what their deal is um, and I feel like uh, to build a strong community, kind of, kind of cross a time threshold. There's no really getting around the time input. You might have like um, a party, right? Like a party's not quite a community. A party could be like an event that does really well, and everyone gathers for for a second. Um, but if you never do it again, then you didn't build a community. You just threw a party. I like it. And you said it's been over, over a couple of years now. So, um, how much? time do you feel you devote to it on say like a monthly basis i mean is this something that you need to there are expenses associated and and not just like currently but also initially like were there things that you spent a lot of time on before that you maybe have either automated or or kind of or or just simplified moving forward like how is how has that looked yeah um both time and investment have been very uh, spiky and variable when i started it um, I, I was maybe full time on it for a couple of weeks, getting people, and the like time investment kind of did stun this, where it started off high, and then there's been occasional like high spikes throughout as I try different things with it. Now, if um, like the basic format of, of Indie Worldwide, where we have like a general meetup and a Q and A each like once a month or every couple of weeks, that does not take too long anymore. Um, a Q and A maybe takes a few hours to set up, like chatting with the person and maybe a few hours to advertise and then the event itself is like an hour and a half and then make a few more hours after that to do the um, post-processing of like the video and the write-up and stuff. So maybe all told 20 hours, if I'm being honest, to organize the Q&A. Um, Cause there's like, 
it's a lot of it I, is stuff I can fill into the cracks of my day, like the advertising and stuff. So it doesn't always feel like a, a big time investment, but it definitely adds up. Um, and then as far as expenses, the basic this biggest expense was the um, like design and branding. I think I invested like a thousand dollars into having a nice brand and design and the landing page and stuff for uh, Indie Worldwide because um, one thing I learned from BitCamp was the like power of design to communicate to the members of your group, like the team. The design I felt like was a rallying point for the BitCamp organizing team to like understand their messaging and kind of rally behind this thing and make it real. And so I wanted the same thing for Indie Worldwide, like a, a brand, a, like a, a feeling that people could kind of identify with and uh, coalesce into a, a community and get behind. So I felt like it was worth it to put the money in there. So I hired, um, his name is Brian from Design Joy, I think is the current name of the company. They did a really good job. Um, and yeah, I feel like it's it's been worth it. it. It helped me personally too, to be able to understand better like what the voice of, of Indie Worldwide should be as like a separate entity from like Hacker News or Indie Hackers or these other communities that I was kind of bouncing off of. And also to feel comfortable um, like recommending it too, because the fact that it looks pretty makes it easier to kind of put it out there confidently. That makes sense. Uh, something that's kind of popped up recently, um, from what I've gathered from within New Worldwide, has been um, has been the Founders Club. Uh, it seems to be a very, a very new addition. Um, what's the idea behind this? Yeah, so I thought of this last week, <laughs> and and just tried to execute on it quickly. My so. Um, my philosophy with community building that I adopted from my friend Dave Fontenot, who founded um, MHacks, is that uh, a community is built of like many one-on-one -on -one connections. Like if you want to build a community, you need to figure out how to foster one-on-one -on -one connections, especially between new user users. And if you can get those new users to then foster the same sense of like community with even newer users, then you've built like a community that will build on itself. And so I was thinking like, how can I make the one on, the one on one connection stronger? It's like, oh, one on one, one on one. I should just literally be pairing people up for one on ones. And um, I, there's also like all these like new like meet people from around the world one on one clubs. Like there's Lunch Club, there's Growth Club, there's Kappa. There's like a bunch of these where you can meet people randomly. And so I was like, okay, let me say, I want to take this format and apply it specifically to the indie worldwide community and get people talking to each other um, in order to like make the, make the community stronger, especially now that we are, we've crossed like a thousand members across different platforms. Um, I, it, I need to re, we want to reinvest more into the, the like intergroup connections in order to, to make it stay strong and not just be like kind of a, a shallow like Facebook group. I want it to be like something where people actually know each other. Um, and that was the idea behind this. Um, so uh, I just kind of put the type form out there and bugged a bunch of people individually to sign up. And we got like 40 people to sign up and the matches have gone out and a couple of people have already talked to each other. Um, awesome. so that's that sounds sounds very promising. Um, final question. The, the people that signed up to Founders Club, I was amazed. Like, I thought it was going to be way heavier on the, hey, I'm just starting out side, but it was the opposite. Like, um, there's at least one millionaire in there. 
there's multiple like people that have exited, raised money, or doing over a hundred thousand dollars per month, <laughs> if not more. Like there's some there's some some very serious founders in that club, and it was cool to be able to have an excuse to kind of introduce them to each other, for sure. And so I think some good stuff is going to come out of Founders Club. Um, looking forward to round two. Nice one. Uh, final question, just before we jump into uh, the Q&A for, for the attendees. Um, from from your vantage point, um, not just from, I guess, Indie Worldwide, but in general across the Indie Hacker community, where do you think the Indie community is heading? Um, and what um, what can Indie founders do um, to be successful, in your opinion? Well, I think those are kind of two questions. There's like... Where like the trend in general, I guess, is towards. It feels like indie hackers is kind of having its moment in a way, where this it, we've kind of taken over the taken the torch over from bootstrapping. Um, so like the Eric Rice book, uh, like Lean Startup, maybe was the the beacon for bootstrappers, like building a company without taking venture funding, and now I think indie hackers has kind of taken over as like where people. The, the tome that people uh, are like religious texts now. It's not Eric Kreiss's Lean Startup. It's not like the Indie Hackers Forum or like this, the podcasts and things that have come out of the movement. And um, so I, I don't think it's necessarily a new thing. It's more like a continuation of an old thing. The new thing is that it's there's way more resources about it now and there's way, it's way more accessible now, especially with like Indie Hacking plus no coding lets many more people try it out quickly. Um, but with all... All like creative output follows a pretty harsh, like um, uh, kind of eighty twenty distribution, where it's always going to be like basically one percent to ten percent of people that have like a huge success and some medium successes, and then many people who only ever make a few dollars. And I think that's just the re reality of, of the cr of creative output. Indie Hackers pushes that curve, I think, a little bit flatter, where you have more, it's it's more possible to build opportunities that aren't huge. You can build a lifestyle for yourself without necessarily becoming like a billion dollar company. So I think it flattens that curve a little bit, which is cool. Um, and I think I see a bit of a, um, uh, what you call it. It's like the main group is kind of splitting up into smaller groups somewhat. Like you have like indie worldwide forming, you have kind of like niche specific groups perhaps forming. Um, but yeah, I'm overall very, very optimistic about where India hacking is going and how it's enabling more, more people to kind of participate in, in capitalism <laughs> and build up assets and things. Um, I, I agree. Uh, I'm still fairly new, I think, to like the Indie Hackers community, but um, uh, it certainly seems to be going that way, especially from the uh, uh, the obsession with bootstrapping to the actual Indie Hacking itself. Um, we've got a couple questions uh, in the chat. Um, so we'll tackle the first one from, from Sukhbal. Um, for Facebook marketing of uh, Healthcare is Dumb, um, you mentioned you posted in a few groups. Which, which groups specifically did you post in? Um, so I searched, I used the Facebook search to search for anything to do with um, like frugality or healthcare or like saving money um, and just kind of followed what popped up from there and checked for recommended groups based on that. I think I found maybe a couple dozen 
maybe three dozen, and put them in a like a table in Notion, and use that as my like kind of sales tracking, like funnel tracking, which is um, like a Kanban board, and um, yeah. So they were more they were more frugality focused than health insurance focused, just because there was more like frugality Facebook groups than health insurance Facebook groups. And as far as like the actual strategy of reaching out to them, like definitely check out that Q&A with Lewis because it goes into it in, in super detail um, or read the write-up. That's what I followed. I followed his playbook like to a T and it worked great. <laughs> nice one. Uh, second question, um, uh, another from Sukpal. Uh, you seem to have very quick launch times from idea to execution. Um, what do you think makes this possible? Yeah, um, definitely. Although, like the no code tooling now is is making it more possible. Like my, the reason many other things I've worked on have failed is because of slow execution time and like, or like not even launching because of like perfectionism or whatever. Um, so the uh, ability now, like the mindset plus the tooling of like figure out the simplest version of this and launch it now is been a change for me. I'd like any worldwide was like the first time I kind of pulled that off where it's like, all we are gonna be is a Zoom call for like whoever responds to this post on Indie Hackers. And that's how Indie Worldwide started. And then it was always just add one more thing this month. Just do one thing this month for an Indie Worldwide to make it better. Um, it was like, okay, let's create a Facebook group. Okay, let's buy a design. Let's get onto this new platform. Um, let's do Founders Club. Um, so I think, yeah, that might that mindset is definitely like it's been a mindset change as much as anything. And then it's okay. Let's find the tools to make that work. And there's a lot more options now, so more things can be done that way. Do you think uh, your your mindset when you first started, you know, thinking about ideas and, and putting them into practice? Do you think your mindset really held you back a little bit because you were maybe a bit apprehensive about not having the glossy side or not having all the ducks lined up and yeah, there's there's a bit of that and like wanting to code things from scratch. So like a project would take like a month to implement and then I'd launch it and it'd be like, oh, actually nobody cares. So that was a wasted month. <laughs> nice, that makes sense. Um, I've got a question from uh, from Colin here as well. Uh, just what's what's the cost of hopping? Um, I'm guessing, you know, just uh, for, for, is it each event or is it a, a regular kind of recurring thing? How does that work? Um, so Hopin is pretty expensive normally, but uh, they've been really nice to us. So the founder, Johnny, the other Johnny, reached out to me really early on and um, invited us on to get on the platform for free, basically. So there is no there is no cost for the Hopin as long as they're letting us um, use it. Um, so yeah, we just have a really good deal. Otherwise, it wouldn't be affordable at all <laughs> to run as many <laughs> events as we do on it. <laughs> And in return, I try to be really proactive with like bug tracking and like um, like whenever I see a new feature on a different platform, I think they should use. I, I do a little write up and send it over to them, um, just because I, I want to um, show my appreciation that the, that they're letting us use this um, and hopefully send um send good ideas their way they do make a little a very little bit of money i don't think it covers, covers their server costs for us if we, when we sell tickets they have a commission on the ticket so the more tickets we sell the better they do uh, but we do not sell that many tickets 
<laughs> so I, I don't think we're quite covering the costs for them to process all the video. Gotcha. Um, question for myself, actually. Um, for India Worldwide, um, I'm sure you've probably got some ideas as to maybe, um, I don't know, maybe maybe where you want to take it or some cool ideas that uh, you think might work or might not when it comes to the event structure or when it comes to, you know, what Indie Worldwide will be over the next 12, 24, for however long. Um, are you open to sharing any of those, those ideas or, or even providing us some uh, bit of insight as to um, how you go about maybe testing those ideas that you've tested in the past to see whether they're, they're valuable? Um, as far as like new things for Indie Worldwide? Yeah, just I mean like you think it's kind of humming away nicely as it is or have you got any other ideas as to maybe things that could be quite valuable to the community? That you are thinking yeah. Um, well, really excited about uh, Founders Club and anything that enables more one-on-one -on -one connections. I want to experiment with more platforms that are out there as well and maybe try building new stuff for us. Um, and uh, what else? Oh, at some point I want to run like a huge like Indie Worldwide conference. That's been on the idea board for a while. It's like do like a TechCrunch disrupt for Indie Worldwide or something like that where we invite um, the best of the speakers we've had, plus a bunch of new speakers, and do like a three-day or like a one-week-long extravaganza kind of thing. That would be awesome to do, although because I've done big events before, I know just how much work that's going to be, which <laughs> kind of keeps me from jumping jumping in <laughs> until I know exactly what I want to do with it, just because I know it'll be like a lot of long days <laughs> to make something really good. And... Um, other ideas that are coming down the line. Oh, I want to, at some point, try doing some like sponsored competition type things, sort of like a startup school almost, where we get like uh, like a Google Ventures or somebody to sponsor a prize and have people compete over like a span of like weeks or months for uh, different incentives. Um, and that's about as far as that has gotten, but I think it, it would be cool. Cool way to get like sponsorship involved and also to get um, just some cool opportunities for for members and um, encourage just more interaction with the community. I feel like our our um, because we're across like multiple channels, it's it fractures us a little bit. And maybe at some point, I'd like to pull us all into being in a single channel too. So that might also be something to explore. Nice. One one final question. We've got a few more minutes left. Um, for for those who are attending indie worldwide um you know there's a good chance that they're you know toying with ideas or building their own thing whether that's you know funding it themselves bootstrapping so it's understandable that sometimes you know the cost of a ticket you know i mean it's certainly free to attend but there's the option to buy a ticket if you've got attendees that have that have gotten any value from indie worldwide um mm -hmm. is there can you think of any ways that um that they can give back to the community either getting more involved or telling people about the community itself like what would be ideal for you as someone who kind of manages indie worldwide what would be awesome to have you know other attendees to contribute yeah i mean definitely the best yeah. thing you can do is if if you have a friend yeah. who's like you who's building cool things invite them to participate um and if you see somebody post Something like just like being participatory and contributing directly to the community that way is the number one thing you can do. Awesome, love it. Um, I got my computer in; it's gonna die. <laughs> I'm not to do it, but I'm... 
All right. Well, faceless Anthony, um, thanks. Thanks very much for your time today. Uh, and also, thank you very much for all the attendees. Um, I mean, we've got a couple of minutes left. Are there any other questions for from the attendees that uh, anyone wants to bring up? Yeah, I had a quick question. So you mentioned you got $55,000 worth of work. Was that just for you or that was for the three people? No, that was the whole team, team of like... That was how much we charged for the feature we built. We built a pretty big feature in a month. So I think it was actually yeah, a good deal. It would have cost them more to do it in-house. But for us, it was great because it was um, a big payday. Um, I was able to, to pay them all. I paid them all hourly and then just kind of estimated how many hours I think it, I thought it would take. And then the margin ended up being good on that. It was like 40% or something that wow. I took home. Absurd. Lovely. Um, cool. Unless there are any other questions, uh, maybe we might, uh, we might wrap it up. Yeah, I just had a, I just had a quick one. What do you think? Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, Thanks so much, John. Oh, oh just, just a, a quick one. Sorry. Um, I, I know you talked a little bit about Okay. That. Thanks so much, John, for uh, for inviting me to do this. So, um, it was fun, fun, fun to be on the other mm -hmm. side of the table. Um, and yeah, looking forward to to everything that's coming down the line. If you haven't checked out Founders Club yet, um, there's a link like in the Facebook group in the Slack, and it went out an email where you can sign up. Round one is closed, but you can participate in round two, which will be next week. You'll randomly get paired with. It's it's not random. Like I read every application and try to find like the best person I think, um, the best introduction that I would want to make personally for you based on who else is in the community. So if you're interested in, meet, in meeting some cool folks, you can opt in there. Um, and otherwise, yeah, just thanks for being here. Thanks for being part of Indie Worldwide. It's been uh, a pleasure to to build this community and to see it keep growing. Awesome. Thanks, Anthony, and thank you, everyone. This was great. Have a good weekend, everybody. You too. You too.